Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Ephesians. The New Testament book of Ephesians in chapter number 3. We're marching through this series slowly but surely going through it and just opening up the doors and seeing what lies behind it. Uh, Just enjoying going through here and I've been thankful to the Lord for the compliments and for the things that you've been telling me about what you've been learning about through the book of Ephesians, light bulbs coming on, uh, different things that you've been learning, the encouragements that you've been having, whether it's the idea that you're accepted in the beloved, that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He accepts you and He likes you for who you are. And then as we discovered this morning, that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, not only are you accepted in the beloved, but you are also part of the family and there are no second-class citizens within the family of God and that's always an encouraging idea that there's no creepy uncles lurking in the closets or anything that when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior you're part of the family of God we're brothers and sisters in the Lord and that there are no second-class citizens it doesn't matter who you are whether you're Gentile or whether you're Jewish it doesn't matter your descent or anything like that that God has a plan for you and we're going to see that a little bit more detail in the book of Ephesians in chapter number three the book of Ephesians chapter number three and if you don't mind starting with me in verse number one Ephesians chapter three and verse number one the word of God says this for this cause I Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how by revelation he may known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith Faith of him, whereof I desire that ye faint not 
at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a word that is repeated several times within Ephesians chapter 3? Notice with me, we see the first mention of it in verse number 3, Ephesians 3, 3, where it says mystery. Once again, in verse number 4, where it says mystery. And you'll see that word mystery uh, all throughout here with this idea here of the context of the mystery of the church. The mystery of the church. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. A God who indeed is worthy of worship, worthy of adoration, worthy of praise. Lord, you're worthy of all glory. And we're thankful that we could be a part of something that brings glory to you. Help us to understand this mystery tonight, that you would open up the scriptures, you'd open up our understanding, that you would reveal yourself once again in your great plan, that we ourselves could marvel at your wisdom and your magnificence. Lord, I recognize that in myself, I can't do this. So once again, I just ask that you fill me with your precious spirit. That you would do your own work. And that you would help someone tonight understand the importance of the mystery of the church. The mystery of this assembling together. And that their eyes would be open. They would have illumination. That the Holy Spirit would show it to their heart. That you would make it clear of how you get glory through the church. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now as we've already been going through the book of Ephesians. We've already been seeing some of the context of it. That remember the apostle Paul started the church. In the church of Ephesus. Or at the city of Ephesus. And he had started off by working in the synagogue. And reaching many of the people through the synagogue. But to be honest. Most of the church of Ephesus. Was a Gentile church. And it was not a Jewish church. And so what would happen is. Because of the upbringing and the raising of the Jewish people. That the Jewish people were always taught that they were God's special people. They were also taught that the Gentiles or those who were non-Jewish people were just nothing more than dogs in their eyes. And so what would happen is that they were God's special people. They had promises. They had things set aside. And we saw that in chapter 2 that the Gentiles before they came to know Christ that they were afar off. They were without hope. They were without God. That God had brought salvation through the Jews. He was a fulfillment of the promises to the Jews. Whereas the 
Gentiles before Christ that there was no promises dedicated to them and they had no hope. And so the Jewish people were raised this way that they were God's people, that they were better. And so if you wouldn't mind to imagine with me the church of Ephesus. And inside of the church of Ephesus, you would almost have cliques that you would have on this side over here, you would have the Hebrew people. So if you're sitting over here, raise your hand. And so for the illustration of tonight, you're a Hebrew person. All right. Now over here, which would be most of the rest of the congregation would be the Gentiles. So if you're over here, raise your hand. You're part of the Gentiles tonight. Okay. And so the Gentiles, they came to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior, that they realized that they were a sinner and because of their sin, that they had offended a holy, righteous God and that Jesus was their only hope. And they came to the place where they accepted Christ as their savior. And we saw that in Ephesians chapter two, that it is by faith. It is uh, that we are saved uh, by grace through faith. And it is not of ourselves. It is not of works. Lest any man should boast. Um, then we see over here that the Jewish people. Guess how the Jewish people got saved. They got saved by recognizing that they were sinners. And because of their sin that they offended a holy righteous God. And that Jesus was their only hope. And they too personally had accept Jesus Christ as their savior. And they got saved through uh, by grace through faith. <coughs> And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, let us any man should boast. So everyone got saved the same way. It doesn't matter the heritage or where they're at. But the Jewish people, even though they got saved, they still had an idea that they were God's special people. And so they would tend to look down at the Gentiles who they saw nothing more as dogs. Now they're still part of a church. But if you can imagine that there's a schism in the church, that there's a group of people that have congregated together that say we're part of one thing over here and you guys do your own thing over here by the way cliques are always dangerous in a church always 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 i try to break them up whenever i see them that we should get along together and that's why god put this message in here to talk about the mystery of the church because he's trying to give unity within the local body and right now he's identifying that there's something different and so what is happening is that the Jewish people are listening and the Gentile people are listening. If you can imagine that, that the pastor of the church of Ephesus says, guess what? We received a brand new letter from the apostle Paul and we love Paul around here. And so they're all saying, Get, read it, preacher. We can't wait to hear what the apostle Paul wrote to us. All right, preacher, let's read the letter. And so the letter starts off and it starts off with a greeting. It continues with the apostle Paul explaining how he's praying for the church, that they would grow in their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He continues to explain to them a little bit more about um, about how we were before we accepted Christ, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, that we were far off. He goes on to explain that the Jewish people did have promises given to them in the Old Testament, whereas the Gentiles did not. But now God has done something special that when someone accepts Jesus Christ as their personal savior, they become part of the family of God. But moreover than that, they can come together in something special called the church and he's referring there to the local visible church that people can come together and join together and so when we talk about the church just to define our terms to be as clearly as possible it is referring to a visible local church that you could write a letter to an assembly of people together 
put together. And we saw in Ephesians chapter 2 that the church is not the, the four walls. It is the voluntary gathering together of God's people together that we are the church. We are the building we are the building fitly framed together on the foundation of the Lord. Now, with this, the Bible takes time to explain the mystery of the church. If you don't mind, the first thing I'd like to show you is the revelation of the mystery. The revelation of the mystery. Notice with me in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles... If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me, to you word, how by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Now notice that word mystery. The word mystery, of course, uh, in the Bible has a special unique meaning. The word mystery carries the idea of something that was previously hid, but is now revealed. So the word mystery in the Bible, whenever you see it, has something that was previously hidden, meaning no one's been able to find it, no one was able to see it, but now it is revealed. And God says, let me tell you about this mystery. Let me tell you about this thing that the Apostle Paul has revealed unto him. This mystery, it was hidden, but now it was revealed. Verse number three again. How by the revelation he hath made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote in a, a four in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now this mystery of Christ is talking about what Christ is doing, what Christ is doing that was previously hidden but now in chapter 2 it was talking that God that Jesus is saving Jewish people he's saving Gentiles now now part of the same family now God has got something special for them as he's placing them together that this mystery in Christ that God is now revealing there's something special something new something that God is doing that he did not do in times past notice with me in verse number five which in other ages was not uh, made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now we understand in the context of Ephesians chapter 2 all the way up that this mystery is the mystery of the church. This assembly of God's people coming together into one place for a common purpose, the purpose of accomplishing the Great Commission. And so as they have assembled together, they're put together in what is called a church that the Apostle Paul says, now this was a mystery. This was something that was previously hidden but is now revealed. He said so much in fact that in verse number five which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men you understand that the old testament does not reveal the church it was not it was not revealed it was not told that in the future days there's going to be an assembly together the old testament does not re reference the church it does not show the church it was something that was previously hidden now this is important because we have to understand there is a difference between israel and the church now this is important because your view of salvation is is based off of this split. Your view of end times is based off of this split. That we understand in the Old Testament, which I took time to explain this morning, God made specific promises to the Hebrew people. He promised them uh, 
a people forever. He promised them the land. He promised them a king. And he promised them to, for salvation. He gave those promises. Whereas the Gentiles received no such promises. We understand that there was a difference. Now whereas we people in the New Testament days. God has not given us Christians the promises he made to Israel. That God's still planning on fulfilling those promises to Israel. He still promises to give them the land. He still promised them a people forever. He still promised them a king to rule over them forever. He still promised that in the future, he's going to do a work in what we call the tribulation period to bring the Jewish people to himself and offer them salvation as a people. Now, he did not promise us Christians the land. You understand? So we have to understand there is a difference in promises and who those promises are to. We understand that comes with discernment. The Bible says to study our shelf to be approved a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. That there's a right way to divide it and there's a wrong way to divide it. How do we rightly divide the word of truth? We understand that there's promises that God made to the Jewish people. And then there's promises he made to the Christian people. And because the Old Testament is working with the Jewish people and going through their history and how God is working with them, God has chosen not to reveal how he is going to work with the Gentile people in the future. Meaning we're talking about the Old Testament. This was something that was previously hidden. That God said, I'm going to save Gentiles. I'm going to work with the Gentiles. But in the Old Testament, he never said how he was going to work with them. So this is important. So the Apostle Paul is excited. He says, guess what? God has revealed in this latter days by the, by the apostles, by the, the prophets, that as the Bible is being written, as these things are happening, that God says, Paul, write this down. This is good. My plan for this current time is the local church. And Paul, I never told anyone about this before until Jesus' time that God I'm going to work through the church, God is telling Paul. And Paul's saying, wow, this is great. I mean, I've studied the Old Testament scriptures, but God has never revealed it. Now he has given unto us the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the local church, the mystery of what God is doing in this time of the Gentiles. Now, I'm trying to show that Paul's really excited about this. That Paul is saying, this is great. So now as he's leading up to this, what is this mystery? Not only do we see the revelation of the mystery, but I want to show you the second thing here. The fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship of the mystery. So what is this church? What is this mystery? What is this thing that God is now doing during the times of the Gentiles? Notice with me in verse number 6. What is this mystery? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, the Apostle Paul has written this letter to the church of Ephesus. And if you can imagine in your mind's eye that the preacher is reading this letter to the Apostle Paul. And he's already explained the promises to the Jewish people and reminding them. And explaining that the Gentiles didn't have those promises. And you can almost see some uh, Jewish lady kind of peacocking just a little bit more and saying, Yeah, that's right. We're the Jewish descent. We're God's people. 
And all of a sudden, the pastor reads Paul's letter that says, you want to know what this mystery is? That the Gentiles, these dogs over here, these people without the promises, should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by his gospel. Some Jewish lady just passes out. What do you mean? These dogs are going to be part of the same body? We've been taught all of our life that the Gentiles are unclean and that we can't be with them. And we want to take these unclean dogs and put them as part of the same body? How does that work? I meant that just blows someone's mind. How does that How does that go? How does that work? That the church is going to contain not just Jewish people, but Gentile believers. Notice as the Apostle Paul goes on. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, whom less than the least of the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which is from the beginning of the world that hath been hid in God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now what is going on here? Well if you don't mind. Maybe we could take us as an example. Many of you are not my age. Some of you are younger than me. And some of you may be just a slight bit older than me. All right. We understand that I come from the greatest country in the world. Texas. And most of you do not. You understand we come from different backgrounds. We're different ages. We come from different cultures. I grew up working on a ranch and riding horses and cowboying up. Some of you did not, was not raised in that culture. I currently am a nerd and I study for fun. Some of you, you don't think that's fun at all. And so you understand that in this church here, we have people of different ages, of different cultures, of different backgrounds, of different likes, of different dislikes. We have all kinds of things that are different about us. Then why are you here tonight? For one reason, because Jesus Christ died for us. And we accepted Jesus Christ. And we have come here assembling ourselves together for the purpose of worshiping God. Think about that. We have a common purpose. We have a reason to spend time together. We have a reason to hang out. We have a reason to assemble together. You know, outside of church, we would probably never meet. Because of our different backgrounds, our different interests, our different likes. Or if we did, it would be nod our head and go on. But we would have no reason to spend time with each other. But think about this. That God is able to take a bunch of sinners. And we are all sinners. Who rebelled against God. Who told God, mind your own business and stay out of my life. I don't care what you say. And we did what we wanted. That we came to the place where we realized we were sinners. And our only hope was Jesus. Now we have a common bond together. And we assemble together. Not because of who you are or who I am. But because of who he is. And Paul is saying guess what. This was never revealed in the Old Testament. That God had in his mind the whole time. 
to put an assembly together. Notice again in verse number 9. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. You understand that the local church was not plan B. It was not a backup plan. It was not something that God cobbled together because the Jewish people didn't work. You understand, this was always God's plan. This was always in God's mind. That from the beginning of the world, he already had in mind that Jesus Christ was going to die for the sins of the entire world. And he always had in mind that he wanted people of different cultures, of different backgrounds, to accept Christ as their Savior, assemble together, and worship him. That was not plan B, that was always plan A. That was always what God had in mind. Now, he didn't tell anybody about it for a long time. But now that Christ died, he said, guess what? This is what everything was leading to, that Christ died for all sinners. And now, let's show what was in mind the whole time, that people assembling together in one body of a local church. This is good stuff. You understand that when you are a member of a local, local church, you are a part of something very big. You are a part of something that's very old. You are part of something that is very amazing. That when you are a member of a local church, you are a part of something that God designed from the very beginnings of the world. That you should never scoff about being a member of a local church. This is important. Now, I say this because today in our American Christianity, not being a member of a local church is not a big deal. But you understand that God, it is a very big deal that you are a member of a local assembly because this is something big. How big is it? I'm glad you asked. Look with me the next verse. Notice with me in verse number 10. To the intent now. So God is saying, all right, so in verse 9, that all people created together. This has been hidden by Christ Jesus, but it was always in his mind. To the intent now for the purpose of... To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now do you understand that there are more beings than us in this world? There are angels. There are different type of angels up in heaven. There are different uh, powers and principalities. You understand that God is now saying this goes beyond us. But to the intent now for the purpose now that... <coughs> Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. Now notice by the church. This is, is going to be um, a prepositional phrase. This is something that is modifying it. If you don't mind, let's take this prepositional phrase by the church. And let's set it aside really quick. And let's read it without that prepositional phrase. Then I'm going to put it back in there. To the intent now that the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known that they may know what? The manifold wisdom of God. You understand that God has designed the local church to make the principalities and powers up in heaven to go, wow, what a God. By what means? By the church. You understand that right now, right now, as you're assembled together, you may say, well, it's not a big deal that I'm here. It is a big deal. You know how big it is? Because right now, up in heaven, right now there are principalities and powers who are watching this church service 
And they are going, wow, look at how amazing God's wisdom is. He's looking at their church service and seeing us from different backgrounds, different settings, different likes, different ages. And we've all assembled together to worship God. And the angels and principalities and powers are saying only God could have done that. Only God could have assembled them together. Only God could have done that. You understand that when you are part of a local church and you are faithful to the local church and you show up to the local church, it is something that makes the principalities and powers go, wow. You understand it is a big deal if you're not here. It is a big deal that you're a member of a church. It is something that Jesus had in mind from the beginning of the world. This was not plan B. This was plan A. This is something that God had in mind that people from different backgrounds, different ages, time, people that once said, God, I'm a sinner and I don't care what you say. I'm going to do whatever I want. That we turned around and got saved. Now us sinners who once did what we wanted to now assemble together and say, we love you, Jesus. We want to do better for you. Teach us, Jesus. It's all about you, God. And the angels are going, only God could have done that. They said, wow, only God could have put this together. You understand when you're a part of a local New Testament church, you are a part of something that's very old. You are a part of something that's very big. You are a part of something that's very great. You are a part of something that God had in mind the entire time. No wonder Paul's excited when he's speaking about this. He says, this is great. You understand that when you don't show up to church, you may say it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. That when we assemble together, even today, the angels, the principalities and powers are going, wow, what a God. What a God. This is good stuff. So we talked about that. We talked about the mystery, the um, the revelation of the mystery that Paul is saying, oh, man, I've got something to tell you. And I'm so excited. It was been hidden before. You want to know a secret? Let me tell you a secret that God has hidden before the local church. And then he says, you want to know how big this is? Let me tell you about the fellowship. That God is taking different people, different cultures, different things. And he's put them together in one place. And then it's not just for us. But it's also for the principalities and powers to go, wow, what a God. Now, if you don't mind, let's bring it back to us. How does the local church help us? The third thing I'd like to show you is the reaction to the mystery. The reaction to the mystery, or maybe you could put it like this. How does the church help us? How does being a member of a local church help you? How how does it help that you are faithful to a local church? How does it help you to be a part of a church when we live in a culture where they say it's not that big of a deal to be in church? It's not that big deal if you miss. It's not that big deal that I'm not a member. It's not that big deal if I go to this church or this church or this church or this church. How does being part, a member, and faithful to a local church help us? Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 13. Um, By the way, let me finish up where I was going, verse 11 and 12, on the previous point. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now, again, that's still talking about that, mis- that fellowship of the church, that we're a part of the church. We're a part of something great. Now, how does the church help us? Verse 13. 
Wherefore, so because of this teaching, because of the mystery of the church, because of what has now been told to you, wherefore, I desire that you faint not. The word faint is a nice Bible word that we would say don't quit. That wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. What Paul is saying is that I don't want you to faint. I don't want you to quit. You understand that when you're a part of a local church that's serving God, that's worshiping God, that is trying to fulfill the purpose that God has given to us, what it does is that it helps you not to quit. Helps you not to faint. You understand, and many of you have been there, that once you start missing a couple services, you start to feel spiritually weak. When you start missing a couple services, you can even notice that your mind starts thinking a little bit differently. You understand, you can get to the place where you quit serving God. You quit reading your Bible. You quit following after God because you're no longer in church. That when you're faithful to a local church and your heart's right and you want to go up there, the church strengthens you up for the things of God. It helps keep you going. It gives you a reminder to keep looking up, keep looking up, keep looking up. That you need church. Lee Robertson, an old uh, uh, man of the faith of yesteryear, said you need three to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He said Wednesday night's kind of like that tent peg and uh, one of those old-fashioned tents. It kind of keeps the tent from sagging down. It props it up. He says you need that midweek service to keep going. That, you know, you can get through Monday, Tuesday, and get through Wednesday. But by then, you're really going to need another uh, kick another jolt another encouragement so you could survive the rest of the week that when you don't have church you become spiritually weak you get to the place where you want to quit and miss enough church and you'll quit altogether by the way that's a temptation for all of us how do you stay strong how do you keep going being faithful to church is what keeps you going that's why being a part of a church is so important that first of all it helps us so we don't quit so we don't faint notice as it goes on and we see some more verse uh, 14 for this cause i bow my knees unto the father of our lord jesus christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches <laughs> Of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in their inner man. So again he's saying because of the local church. That first of all helps you not to quit. Second of all it helps you to be strengthened. It helps you to become spiritually strong. Which we've already touched upon that before. But now he's saying I'm giving you this. I'm telling you this. That he would grant you the riches of his glory. Why? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That we need that local church. We need to be faithful to that local church. To keep us strong in the Lord. To keep us doing what we're supposed to do. You understand we can get spiritually weak. We can get to the place where it comes time to make a spiritual decision. And when we're not spiritually strong. We will make the wrong decision. That being part of the church. And being faithful to the church. Keeps us strong when those spiritual decisions come. It helps us to be strong. By his might in the inner man. Notice as we go on in verse number 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Oh isn't that a wonderful I thought. To be rooted and grounded in love. 
Now, this carries the idea that as we're a part of a local church, that we are rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. You understand we all need to take a trip to the cross often. You know what happens when you're looking at the shadow of the cross? You realize that he died for me. It is my sins that put him up there. It is my sins that he died for. And you start thinking about what a sinner you are and what a great savior he is. And then you start thinking about why did he do that? Because of the love of Christ. You understand that it's much easier to serve God when you realize how much he loved you. It is much easier to do the things you're supposed to do in the Christian life when you realize he loved you so much. And part of being in the local church is to remind you, it's to teach you, it's to help you to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. To realize how much he loved you so you could keep going. All this kind of mixes together to keep us strong, to keep us going. Verse number 17 again. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and depth and height. That we can understand that he roots us and he grounds us. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Oh, think about that Christ died for you. Man, that blows your mind to think that he died for a scumbag like me. And to be reminded of it and say, Lord, it's not a big deal to serve you. It's not a big deal to read your Bible when you realize what he did for you. He died for you. When he died for you, it's not a big deal to talk to him and pray to him. You understand that we start understanding how much he loved us. How deep that love was. How high that love was. The breath of his love. Oh, that does something to us. And that's what being part of a local church does. Is that it reminds us and it teaches us more of the love of Christ. Notice in verse 19, we also see this. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, he's saying you need to be filled with the fullness of God. That God wants you to have everything he desires for you. The Bible talks about in the book of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. It begins to talk about in the last days there should be perilous times. That in the last days perilous times should come. And it goes list after list after list. And then at the end as it wraps up the list it says this. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You understand there's a lot of Christian religions out there. That have a form of godliness without the power of God behind it. That they could say the right things. They had the right lingo. They could dress the right thing. They could do this and do that. But there's no power behind it. You understand only God can do his own work. We cannot do the work of God. We could be instruments. But only God can do his own work. And when we come to a local church that is teaching the word of God for the purpose of teaching people to look up at him, look up at him, look up at him, that we realize that I can't do it. It's God and God alone. And so to be filled with the fullness of God, that I'm emptied of myself, God fills me with himself, and he does his own work through me. 
That we could be filled with the fullness of God. That we could watch God work and watch God change lives and watch things happen around us that when people said, how did that happen? We say, it was God. How did God build that church? Or how did the church get built? Did you guys do this? Or did you do this special survey? Or did you do that? No, it was just God. We just obedient to him and he did it. God wants to get all the credit from it. You know, man can get some things accomplished. Man can do some things, but we don't want what man can get accomplished. We want what God can do. And when we're a part of a local church and we're invested in that local church, that it strengthens us. It helps us not to faint. It roots us and grounds us in love. It lets us to know the love of Christ. It helps us to be filled with the fullness of God. Notice as it goes on in verse number 20. Now unto him... That is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. By the way, God can do more than you could ask. He could do more than you could think. We have to let him do the work and not us. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above, abundantly above all that we could ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. Now remember it's not us but it's the power in us. That is Jesus Christ. He is doing the work. Notice this. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Throughout all ages world without end. Amen. You understand That God has designed the local church when it's operating the way that it should. When it's all about him. That people of sinning different backgrounds, sinners coming together because of Jesus Christ. Because we accepted Christ as our savior. Surrendering ourselves saying, God, whatever you want to do, you're allowed to do. We are your instruments. We'll just obey whatever you tell us. You know what happens? That unto him be glory. How? By the or in the church that God has designed it. So a church that's operating correctly, a church that's operating the way that it should brings glory to God and that Christ gets the credit from it, that God gets the glory from it. You understand that when you are a part, a member of a local New Testament church, you're not a part of a backup plan. You're part of plan A. When you're a member, a member, a part of a local church, you are a part of something very old. It was always in God's mind. You are a part of something very big. You are a part of something pretty amazing. You are a part of something that makes even today the principalities and powers go, wow, what a God. You understand? It is very important that you are a part, a member of, Of a local church. It's not just something that it'd be nice. Or I think it's kind of all right. This is important. Because this is one of the ways that God gets glory. By people. Just sinners saved by grace. Assembling themselves together. Just ordinary folks. Coming together. And just saying we'll obey Christ. And then when God gets his work accomplished. Through that church. And people look at you guys and say. There's no way you guys could have done it. And we say you're right. It was God. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory from it. Isn't that something amazing? And so as we come to here, we understand that the flesh is always fighting against church. There are sometimes you wake up and you don't feel like coming to church. 
There are some days that you may get sideways at someone. Pastor didn't shake my hand. I'm not coming back to church. You may say, you know what? My favorite Super Bowl team finally made it after 80 years. I'm not coming to church. You may say, well, the fishing's good today. I'm not coming to church. Whatever excuse you are, you understand that when you're a part of a local church, you're a part of something amazing, something big. It does matter if you're here or not. It does matter if you show up. It does matter if you're a part of it, not just for your own sakes, but for the principalities and powers who are looking down and saying, wow, what a God, what a God. You understand when you're a part of a local church, you're a part of something old, you're a part of something big, you're a part of something exciting, you're a part of something amazing. Maybe there's some of you who are not currently members of a local church. You need to become a member. Maybe you are a member, but there's some times that you fight against the flesh. Let me tell you, you're going to have to die to self and say, you know what, I'm going to make it to church. It's important if I am not providentially hindered, if there's not an ox in the ditch, I don't have to work. I'm going to be there at church. I'm going to do my best to be there. I'm going to be there because this is something important. This is something amazing. This is part of something that makes the angels go, wow, it's important that I'm there. Some of you just need to make a decision and say, you know what? As long as the doors are open, I'm going to be there. As long as the doors are open, I'm going to do my best to help out that local church. I know that I'm nothing special, but God could do amazing things as we surrender ourselves to God. That part of being a part of this church is a part of something that God has in mind to reach this world with the gospel by Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.